Hey guys, I wanted to let you know about a new project I've been working on for quite some time that I am so excited about. It is a fresh book just for all you mamas called Doing It All. Stop overfunctioning and become the mom and person you're meant to be. Doing It All is a simple framework designed to help you organize your stress, clear your mental clutter, and make more space for what really matters in your life. This book is about sharing my blueprint for achieving a centered life as a real working mom with real working mom problems. It's not about achieving a dazzling fantasy life of ease, wealth, and perfection, but a realistic life that's purposeful, organized, and aligned with your personal values. A life where you're able to prioritize what really matters and where everything, even laundry, has its place. Work calls? Yep. Time with your kids? Absolutely. Time for yourself? A top priority. Yes, you heard that right. This has nothing to do with manifesting positive vibes. You won't find a single affirmation here. Instead, you'll discover a practical framework, step-by-step plan, and over 40 targeted exercises, prompts, and activities. You can pre-order right now at amazon.com. Look for Doing It All by Dr. Whitney. Welcome to the Modern Mommy Dog Podcast. I'm Dr. Whitney Caceres. I'm a full-time pediatrician and a full-time modern mom. I speak and write about equipping mamas to raise resilient, healthy children and to invest in their own social-emotional health along the way. Each week, we'll give you the practical tools you need to win at parenting without losing yourself. It's Dr. Whitney. Welcome back to the Modern Mommy Doc Podcast. I am thrilled today to welcome Dr. Morgan Cutlet. She is the author of Love Your Kids Without Losing Yourself, Five Steps to Banish Guilt and Beat Burnout When You Already Have Too Much to Do. Man, could we all use this book? Welcome, Dr. Cutlet. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to chat with you. Okay. So let's talk first about your background, who you are, because there's a lot of people that write books about burnout and about moms and about self-help, but it really matters to me about people's credentials and kind of what their background is. So talk to me about that. Sure. So, well, (laughs) I've been in this field for a very long time. I really started, I feel like I kind of grew up in the field of psychology and relationship education. So my Mm -hmm. dad has his doctorate in psychology too, and went back to get his degree when I was in elementary school. And so I attended classes with him. And as he grew his practice, he started to notice some trends actually around partner selection. So that's where he began. Mm -hmm. So he created a course many, many years ago. We're like 25, 30 years out now where he created a course before people were creating, everyone's got a course now, before people were creating Mm -hmm. courses. And I started traveling around with him working the booths at conferences, talking about the content, eventually speaking with him and being like kind of immersed in the relationship education field and conferences around the country. And 
I then went to school because I knew I needed my own credentials and to stand on my own kind of my own two feet, you know, and have my own credibility and my own right. And so in many ways, it feels like I've been in this field forever, but Mm -hmm. my niche has been a more recent development within the last few years. And so the last 15 years, my dad and I worked alongside each other, developing relationship education content and really making sure it's practical. That's something that's really important to me. But many, many years ago, I think I was like maybe a sophomore in college. I was riding to a conference in the car with my dad and I said, someday I want to do something to serve women. You know, you're talking to singles and couples and all this stuff, but I want to do something to help women. And I wasn't sure what that looked like. Fast forward many, many years, our daughter Effie was born. She's she's 10 now, which is just bananas. She's going to be taller than me soon. But when she was born, I went into motherhood feeling like I was going to crush it. I thought I would be a really amazing mom. I would know exactly what to do. I knew exactly how I wanted to handle like tantrums and things like that. Like, and, you know, I was like, I have degrees. Like, what, what, how hard this can this be? I have good parents. I'll be fine. And I don't even know if she was a difficult baby or if it just felt difficult to me at the time. But I regularly, and I mean, every single day felt like I was falling short. And part of it was that my expectations for myself were so far from my experience. I was smacked upside the head by that loss of freedom that I think a lot of us women experience Mm -hmm. after kids. And just, I was just like, what is this? Who am I? I thought I would be good at this. I feel like I suck. And it was overwhelming and and difficult. And I felt so lost in it. And it was at that time that I knew, you know, at some point this haze, I feel like we're, we're like in a fog in early yeah. motherhood. At some point, this haze is going to clear a little bit for me. And when it does, that's when I want to find a way to help moms navigate this differently with more tools and to feel empowered through this process. And so that's what I've been doing the last five plus years or so is really working to help moms navigate motherhood and the relationships from an empowered stance. Wow. So I resonate so deeply with this idea of having all the credentials, being really experienced, talking to other people about these topics. I almost feel like, of course, that makes it better in some ways because you have all the book knowledge about it. You have kind of the framework. But in some ways, I feel like it makes it worse in terms of the expectations that we put on ourselves. Like, As a pediatrician, I felt so much worse when I wasn't able to handle my kids' tantrums or when I wasn't able to handle colic or when I didn't know how to get my baby to sleep because I was like, this is easy. I see other parents who do this all the time. yeah, And I've been telling other people what to do for such a long time that I should be the hero in this regard. Think you're right. Like those expectations, the difference between your expectations and reality, that huge gap is really, I think, what creates that feeling of shame and aloneness and disappointment. That's exactly it. And yeah, and I think I agree with you. I feel like my expectations were so insanely inflated because of all of my credentials, because I'm like, I've been, you know, it's saying what you can show up even in my own marriage at times where I'm like, I know. Why are we here? You know, and so I I think that for us that have these degrees and these experiences, that yeah, we're we are prone, I think, to feel a lot of shame around um, those moments we feel like we can't fix it or control it, or it's just feeling hard. The other thing I think that comes into this is, especially relationship stuff, 
for you, and I would assume, and for me, I, this is definitely true what I do, is, of course, I'm not in control of what my partner does. Yeah. Like, I'm me, and I can do all the research, and I can try all the things, and I can even be part of educating my partner about things or bringing him alongside, you know, me in this learning process. But you're still not that other person. You're not their feelings, their emotions, their history. Did that also throw in a wrench in your plans to be this, like, perfect partner, perfect parent? <laughs> I think I've ditched the perfectionism piece a long time ago. I think you kind of have to. I actually don't feel a lot of that stuff anymore. <laughs> but I do really resonate with this idea of like, you know, I, I mean, my husband and I have talked about it or moments of frustration of just being like, I know what to do, but you are not cooperating. That's <laughs> really exactly. You know, I'm, sure he feels, I'm sure he feels the same way about me sometimes in terms of, you know, well, you're not doing the X, Y, or Z, but. I, I absolutely think that this this perfectionism piece is something that shows up for a whole lot of parents during this process. And in, in, in partnerships, too, that can be really, really challenging. So, okay, one of the major things that you talk about in your book and that you talked about even on Good Morning America, I mean, congratulations, that's awesome that you're Thank on that you. stage. Yeah, was this idea of, mothering yourself like you mother your kids. And you said the shorthand version is go mother yourself. What does that mean? I love it because it's kind of like go after yourself or go do whatever, right? <laughs> so what, is, what does that mean and why is that so important for moms? Yeah, so I, it's it's go mom yourself. And I actually wanted yourself. to title my book that and it didn't pull well, but I, <laughs> I, I like that. I guess it's, it's, a, it's a call to action and it's what it's really what the main message of the book is. And the idea is, is that moms are the master managers of all of the people and all of the things. But we take care of our relationships. We often manage our social schedules. We manage the emotional well-being and physical well-being of our children and the research and even our partnerships. Like I think, you know, research shows us that women are often the ones who are like, we need a date. We need to talk about this, all these things. And so we're really, really good at it. We just don't often turn this, turn the same skill sets toward ourselves. And so. In my book, that's really what I lay out is a framework for how do we manage our relationship with ourselves? Because this is what we need to get good at. Self-care is not a, you know, take a walk and things are better permanently. That's usually a band-aid over deeper issues. But we really have to do the things that we do for our kids for us. You know, we, we're, at, we're especially our generation of parents, we're all about the cycle breaking. We're all about self-care, not self-care, we're about self-improvement, mm -hmm. getting to the bottom of these things and and really working to change stuff. But we're not always applying it to ourselves. So we're helping our kids with things like, you know, identifying and honoring their emotions. We're helping our kids have a positive self-image of themselves, of learning how to assert their needs and and boundaries, we're very much a, a top conversation mm -hmm. around boundaries all the time, right? We teach our kids about this, you know, about body boundaries and emotional boundaries. And, you know, we teach our kids about regulation. These are new conversations. My kids know the words dysregulated. Did you know yeah. that? Crazy, yeah, right? You know that, yeah. No. <laughs> you know, in our physical bodies, you know, self-care is often around the physical. And I think we have to sort of expand the definition of self-care. But our physical bodies, as you know, they are speaking to us. They are machines that have w good intentions and they're always sort of trying to correct to to keep us in our best health but a lot of times um, we're struggling with deeper issues with our physical bodies that we as women are really good at ignoring and so mm -hmm. we teach our kids all of these things but we need to do the same things 
for ourselves. And that's really how I think we reach this deeper, deeper place of feeling whole in motherhood, of feeling like we're, we're actually really cared for. Yeah, absolutely. So in pediatrics, we talk about this idea of ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and the antidote to that being resilience. So all the skills that you teach a kid, right? And the AAP, American Academy, has gotten very, very into this idea of resilience and ACEs and combating it. And when they came to me to say, hey, can you write the Working Mom Blueprint? Can you write a book that's like for working moms about stuff that they should know about their kids? I was like, yes. Except for the fact that we cannot talk about ACEs and resilience in kids until we talk about ACEs and resilience in moms. We can't talk about what are the fundamental things that moms need to do to really take care of their deep needs and emotions and and core self. So when we give moms in the office all this anticipatory guidance about, you know, these are the ways you should teach kids boundaries. These are the ways to teach your kids about dysregulation, or even you need to brush your kid's teeth twice a day. It's so much more difficult for moms to actually employ those tactics when they haven't attuned to themselves, when they haven't taken care of their deep core needs. And so I love that you're trying to teach moms a stepwise plan for doing that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's it's kind of wild. I mean, we all sort of know this idea of modeling too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, our kids are just these sponges absorbing all the stuff we put out. But it is crazy because we don't often model a, like a good, good model of how we tend to our needs and care for ourselves. And it's like, I'm imagining when you were talking, I was like having this picture of child brushing your teeth. It's like, well, brush your teeth together. <laughs> yes. Just things alongside each other. There's there are simple ways to to yes. check some of these boxes where you show your, you know, your kids. I mean, I mean from a young age, I remember saying to the kids, it's time for a mom to get dressed. I feel so much better when I put on a little makeup and I've brushed my hair and I'm mm-hmm. going to do that. I'll be back in whatever, 20 minutes, 15 minutes or something right. like that, you know, and just, you know, really showing our kids that they're, you know, it's important for us to really make sure we are taking care of ourselves and asserting ourselves in really gracious ways. Absolutely. All right. So walk me through in broad strokes what the five steps are. Yeah. So it's, it's, so I give a model of relationships. I want to say that first. So these five Mm -hmm. steps are built around a model of relationships and it's a picture of a relationship. This, it's called the relationship attachment model. It was developed by my dad in the, in the late eighties, early nineties. And it's the core for all of our relationship courses. So we have a course for singles, couples, fathers. Uh, families. And it's really the foundational piece to all of them because we have this belief that we, you know, our relationships require regular management. Mm-hmm. All of them do, including our relationship with themselves. And so I'm I'm saying all this to say it's been researched, not by just us, but by yeah. other universities. <laughs> it's been in in textbooks and peer-reviewed journals and, and all of those things. I think that's important. Yeah. It's not like just an idea I scribbled on a napkin and then I'm putting it in a book. But right. So <laughs> I'm giving moms a picture of relationships. So when I say to moms, you got to mother yourself like you mother your kids, or you got to go mom yourself, or you have to manage your relationship with yourself. The question is, what are you managing? Like, what does that even mean? And so I give mm-hmm. moms a picture of a relationship so they know exactly what they're managing because I'm encouraging moms to do these self-check-ins regularly throughout their day. And when they have this picture in their head of what this model is, they can quickly kind of do run through the five areas in no time at all. The amount of time it takes to go pee, the amount of time it takes to make a PB&J. So 
then the five steps walk through these five areas. So the first is know deeply. And the premise behind it, so I go really, the way the book's structured, I go really deep into a concept and then I come out with and give you practical things. So it's like, if mm-hmm. you need to do a deep dive here, this is what you need to get into. And then here is the stuff that's like in the moment that you can do. And so know deeply, the, the premise is essentially, if you don't know yourself deeply, you can't meet your needs. Yeah. You know? And just like if we don't know our children deeply, we don't love them in the ways that they need. And it's the same concept. And I find over and over with moms that we start to feel like we don't recognize ourselves when we're moms anymore. It's like, oh, I I thought it would be really fun. I'm not fun. I'm kind of grumpy. I don't even know who this woman is anymore. And so this chapter is really about discovering that, getting getting to the core of of some of the important things about ourselves that we need to understand and know. And then how do we become more in alignment with the moms that we want to be so that we feel good in motherhood. And what do we do in those moments where we're like, whoa, I'm really distant from this. And so I, I help moms also dig into some things that I think are important. So what brings you meaning? What's important to you? And when do you feel most aligned with the person you imagine yourself to be and the mom you imagined yourself to be? So I walk moms through specifically how to do this. Let me ask you a question about that because I love Eve Rodsky as a person and I like fair play and all of that. But her second book, Unicorn Space, was about kind of this, uh, in some ways, a similar idea, right? Yeah. Can you differentiate for me, because I think there is a real difference, the difference between kind of knowing yourself and your needs and the things that light you up from like having a unicorn space or a thing that you spend time on or like a hobby? Like, can, can you differentiate? Those two, because I think it's a little different, right? Like I like to travel. So that's something that lights me up. But in reality, like sometimes I don't have the budget for that. But there's other things I feel like you can do every single day. And sometimes it's just about the way you talk to yourself or the way you spend your time in the course of a day. Yeah, I would say, so I would say that what I'm describing is almost like an umbrella. It's a bigger picture. And then something like a unicorn space, a hobby, something that brings you up kind of like is one like area or drop down box underneath the umbrella. And so- Like I would say even something that we can struggle with a lot in motherhood is that maybe we're not living in accordance to something we really value. And so this is when we can feel like we don't know ourselves where it's like, I value this, but I have none of that in my life. Or I value this and I am not acting at all like, like in, I'm not acting at all congruent with that value. And I think Mm -hmm. that these are also ways that we know ourselves and can feel aligned as as mothers and as women and people. And yeah. so it's more than a hobby and it's more than carving out that special time doing something that fulfills us. It's actually feeling like we're we're good with who we are. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Mama, it is here and available for download. It's the new Modern Mamas Club app. We are so ready to join you on your personal journey from conflicted to centered. We want to take you on an evidence-based path from feeling conflicted all the time, from feeling pulled in all kinds of directions, from feeling burnt out to feeling really purposeful and aligned. As you move through your working motherhood experience, no matter what is happening around you. So go check it out in the App Store.
I think that's a really important differentiation because there's nothing wrong with a unicorn space. There's nothing wrong with a hobby. Like that's so amazing. And also it's part, like you said, of a larger picture. It's a piece of the whole. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the piece of the whole. I could talk so long about these. So you just interrupt me. The the next one is trust accurately. So I don't want to give this one away too much because I think this is a really important piece. In this chapter, I talk a lot about mom guilt. I talk about our self-concept, which I think is a really important part of motherhood. And it's one of the most powerful interventions we can do in the moment without requiring any time or space away from our kids, which is shift the way we're constructing our self-concept. I think a lot of us, we get in this sort of shame spiral where we're like kind of worn thin and worn out. And so we snap at our kids or we or we lose it completely mm-hmm. on our kids. And then we're like, oh my gosh, I am the worst mom. I'm terrible. I can't believe I have right. trauma. I have now traumatized my children. And so then we layer on more shame and more guilt. And then that makes us less likely to be able to keep it together later on. So we're more right. likely to snap, but we just <laughs> kind of get stuck. We get stuck. In, and then when we think about how we see ourselves, we see ourselves as this nasty, grumpy you know, a lot of times from B, like we're just the most negative picture of ourselves in our minds. And so in this chapter, I explain that concept. I not really shared much about this, but in the book, every concept is first applied to a story with my kids. So it's applied to how it shows up in our relationship with our kids. And then I apply it to our relationship with ourselves. I think it's just easier to grasp stuff. I think so, so too. We're so good at thinking about our kids first. Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah. And so it, it talks about how to shift this, how to change this. It's really, really powerful. The third is rely boldly. So this chapter is all about defining our needs, asserting our needs, getting good at expressing them. One of the most common things I hear from moms is that, you know, I don't even know what I need anymore. Mm-hmm. And or yeah. I get them. Yeah. I'm like, I get a moment alone and I'm like, I spend the whole time trying to figure out what what's going to fill me up. And then by the time I figure it out or whatever, the kids are already back. Yeah. So, and this chapter is really all about, all about needs. And I find that that is harder. Actually, I think that's part of what makes summer so difficult to right, oh. for parents. It's because in the school year, I mean, if your kids are old enough to be in elementary school or they're going to preschool or whatever, you have a little bit more time, right? And you maybe have like those six hours. So even if it took you like an hour to figure it out, eventually you might come to it and be able to use your time in a way that feels restful or feels fulfilling yeah. to you. But in the summer, sometimes your moment that you have is like 15 minutes. I <laughs> And so I think that's a part of why parents feel so at their edge by the end of summer is, yeah. Is because of that. Yeah. What's kind of wild is that I was thinking about the this summer. I <laughs> the busiest summer of my life. And I was like, I'm gonna work only two days a week because I want to be with my kids more. I'm like, what was mm-hmm. I thinking? But yeah. this is so almost every day this summer, I've gotten up when I'm with the kids, except the two days that I'm not. And I've thought about the context of their life. What's going on with Roy? So my kids are Roy and Effie. Roy is seven, Effie's ten. What's going on with Roy and Effie's? Okay, Roy's been wanting to go to a baseball field and play some baseball. He really needs, I've, I've been spending more time with Effie. I need to give him a little bit of attention. Effie's been a little bit more, she's good, She's 10, she's going through some stuff and um, been a bit, bit more aggression lately. I need to take her somewhere she can work out some big energy. Like, like, I'm saying all this to say, almost every day this summer, I have done a needs assessment on my children Yeah, and structured our day around what they need. This is like, and, and it looks a little different how I explain it, I explain it in the book, but like, this is what we also need to do for ourselves. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, there was one day where I was like, we're going to the beach. We're spending the whole day with friends. They really needed some time with, with their community. 
And I was like, I'm going to be so kind of like, like, because they were resentful. But if I spend the whole day about them and then I reach the end of the day and then they're like, ma, they complain at me, I'm going to be like, I gave you my whole day, right? Right. And to that point, mm-hmm. so it's like, okay, if I'm going to give the whole day to them, I need 40 minutes this morning to do something for me. Yep. Right. And so it's, it's about this kind of um, ebb and flow of who gets priority and um, whose needs are being met. But this needs assessment is something we so naturally do for our children that we need to get good at for ourselves. Yeah, 100%. And here's something that I might challenge listeners on. A lot of times, if I talk about spending a little bit of time in the morning just by yourself, I'm not actually like that into like the morning routine has to be like X, (laughs) Y, Z. But I do believe in having just a moment to reset and be quiet and not look at your phone and like just kind of like set your intention for the day. And sometimes when I talk to people about that and I mention the word like journal or like morning, people are like, like I journal. So just like be comforted. Okay. The idea of journaling could be something like this, could be something like a very pointed, structured needs assessment where you're actually spending time thinking about maybe your kids' needs, but also your needs during the day. So taking that moment. So it doesn't have to be like roses and violets and soft music and kumbaya in the morning. It could be something that feels a little bit more like businessy to you. Yeah. Oh, I'm all about it. I'm a, yeah. all about the business. I say it even yeah. in our romantic relationships, like put a meeting on the calendar, do the check-in. Yeah. Who cares? Relationships are serious business. It's yeah. fine. And I do think that, you know, I don't know, it's good and it's bad. The conversation around mom burnout and self-care and all this stuff has been so needed and so mm-hmm. important. And I'm like, I'm in the conversation. Right. And then I think also we've, we've sort of suggested certain things so many times that moms have kind of numbed out to the suggestion. And I think journaling is one of them. And yeah. the reality is, is that journaling, journaling is really helpful. So is meditation. Mm-hmm. So is different types of deep breathing and these things were sort of like, okay, okay, okay. You know, but, and it's a kind of like a shame with this conversation that we have done that, but these things do work. And so yeah. if you implement them in your lives, you're going to be one of those people who's like, I know it's cliche, but it's changed my life. Totally. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yes. And if you need it to be in a more structured way for it to change your life, as I would say most women do who have a penchant for anxiety or for Mm -hmm. over-functioning or for, you know, like if that's your gateway drug into doing this is to have it be more structured, like by all means, have it be a structured led led meditation by somebody else, a guided meditation. Have it be a structured needs assessment. Like that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'll say one more thing on this one. And then, so I say this to couples, but I'll say it to moms. When we're learning new skills, it's usually really mechanical and all business in the beginning because it's Mm -hmm. new and it's foreign and it doesn't come naturally. And so it's okay. It's like, it's like if you think about a sport, you don't become an amazing free throw shooter just by stepping up to the line and taking a shot. It's like, no, you'll stand there probably for hours and 50, 100, 200 free throws over and over and over. The same thing in our relationships. Things will be kind of mechanical at first until they become integrated into how we just function in our lives. And it's okay to be that way at first. Yes. Amen. All right. What's step four? (laughs) Okay. Where am I at? So I'm on the needs. Step four is commit wisely. So, So this chapter is all about how we prioritize. It's also, I talk about willpower. I I shove a lot in this Mm -hmm. chapter. So one of the takeaways is we have to learn how to prioritize in a way that we feel at peace with. I talk about how it's just, you know, 
we're regularly going to have competing priorities. It's almost every minute of the day we have competing priorities. Right now, I'm prioritizing sitting here talking to you and therefore I'm not with my children. And like, yep. this is one of the realities that we sort of need to come to terms with, which is that there is, there's a, sometimes there's pain in prioritizing, but you can't prioritize one thing without deprioritizing another. And I think as moms, even though when I say that, people are like, as moms, a lot of times we function as if we can prioritize it all at the same time. Yeah. And, and it's like killing us and it wears us out. And so that chapter is big on that, also on the idea of willpower and some of the research around how it gets used up and things that deplete it. Yeah. Okay. So I have a story for this that I think will will help people. You know, I, people know from the podcast that we created a situation with our caregiver, with our my kid's nanny, where she lives with us. She lives mm-hmm. in like the basement with her daughter. And then we live in the top two stories. Yeah. And we do like a trade and it works out well. So that that way we both have what we need. I'm off to the office and traveling a lot. She's here. But one thing that we differed on that I did not realize before we moved in together, and she knows this, is she is very much about like in the house, everything kind of happening relatively immediately in terms of cleanup. So it's like, you know, the dishes are in the sink, they go immediately into the dishwasher. If something is out, like she buys it right then on Amazon, like the, you know, paper towels or whatever. My style is very much to... When I wake up in the morning, my priority is my work and my kids. So I want things to be like neat and tidy so I'm not stimulated from a visual perspective. But otherwise, I'll leave all that stuff until a little bit later once I finish off with my more important priorities and then get to that stuff as fast as I can all in one chunk. It's like the way that I help my brain. Yeah, you know, I batch it all. And so we came into some serious conflict because... She would be all day long as I was trying to think about stuff for Modern Mommy Doc, thinking about stuff for my book, thinking about stuff for my kids. She'd be like, oh, by the way, we need more of this. Oh, by the way, can you do this? Oh, by the way, there's a little laundry. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I can't handle And so I think part of your, your first couple chapters about figuring out what are your needs, knowing yourself really deeply and having an acceptance about your needs will, I'm sure, facilitate this more more fully because what I had to do is stop and be like, yo, your need to stop all this stuff happened quickly. My need is this. So what's the way that we can come together so that your need is met and my need is met? Would you like to make a list and we could have it visually on the refrigerator so we could both see it, but I can attend to it when it works well for me? Yeah. Like, you know, and that happens with our partners too. I was like, going to say, it sounds like it's a, it's like, that's a common thing in a, in a partnership. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So I think the prioritizing, I, I think knowing yourself fully though, is what gives you like the voice to be assertive yeah. instead of building resentment around you it. You get it. You're getting yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, like an, it, like I'll be, I'll disclose my, one of my insecurities is that like, I'm not like a, I'm not a presenter of information. That's like, this is what you do. Period. Right. Like, I'm very much like, I'm an, in, I'm a big picture. I'm an integrator. And like, so sometimes I'm like, my answer's not sexy enough for this. Right. Like, but also I just don't think that that's always helpful. It's like, no, do it prescriptive. I'm not prescriptive. I'm kind of like, this is your framework, but Mm -hmm. you're exactly right that my, that the model, it's integrative. Everything builds on each other and it it starts to kind of be, you know, iterative, iterative. I'm saying that iterative. (laughs) So it go, you go back through it and so you're exactly right. As you know yourself more deeply, you can 
like meet your needs better and more effectively and efficiently and express them better. So you're exactly right. It all works together. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. It becomes more iterative. Like you then go, oh, that connects to this. And I agree with you about, I think actually what we've gotten ourselves into with social media, especially is this idea that there's five or 10 specific things you can do that are right or wrong every single time that make the same result. And I mean, I hate to say five because I know there's five steps in your thing and I love your five steps. But it's true. Like, and I do that too. It's just the way of the world where you're like three things you can do to make sure your kid succeeds in school. You know what I mean? And the reality is like life doesn't actually work that way. I mean, it's about frameworks and principles and priorities and values, but it's not necessarily about you do thing A and that always leads to thing B because there's sometimes all this background noise in between A and B that makes it difficult. Yeah. I mean, it's it's something that I find really challenging about social media. I think can be harmful when we're not really, if we're not really being thoughtful about how we consume information, we have to remember that the person presenting it doesn't know the context of our life. Exactly. And not everything applies. Like I think back to when Effie was little, she had some pretty, like some pretty epic tantrums, like pretty, I, I think I'm a, I'm a highly sensitive person. I think my kids both are. <laughs> how do I get to <laughs> you? And they're amazing. But it was really hard when they were little. And I remember consuming, you know, all the information around name it to tame it. And Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, I'd named it and it would inflame it. It would get way worse. Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling like either something's wrong with me or my child or the both of us, but Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it right. And so I think that we have to be careful about that stuff. But yeah. That's my my non-sexy answer in security. I'm all about <laughs> exactly. I'm a framework gal. I like it. I like it. All right. And then there's a final step. What's your final step? Yeah, it's touch purposefully. And so this one is about our physical self. It's kind of the one part in the book that if I get anywhere close to traditional self-care, mm-hmm. it's here. But in this chapter, I talk about lots of different things. I talk about body image a little bit. Mm-hmm. I talk about stress because stress is such a key piece to mm-hmm. our health. I talk about our physical health. But the t- main takeaway is that we have to listen to our bodies and respond appropriately. I think that, you know, and you could probably speak to this better than mm-hmm. I could, but you know, I think about how long I ignored my backache that actually turned out to be leaky gut mm-hmm. <laughs> and intestinal things. And I just can't imagine, I cannot imagine our daughter coming to me and saying, my back hurts, and me telling her, we can get to it in two years. You know, right. like we don't do that for any really, anyone else in our family, for our partners, we're like, oh, I have this like weird flutter in my heart. We'd be like, go to the doctor. But right. we don't do, we are so bad at doing yeah. this for ourselves. And so that's also a piece of this chapter is, is our physical health. Yeah, a little bit absolutely. about sex too. Yeah, yeah, nice. I think, um, I think that's, the other piece that goes along like with the meditating, journaling, like all those things where it's like we've heard almost too many times, like, yeah, you need sleep. Yeah, you need to eat well. Yeah, you need to move your body. Yeah, like, you know, sex that makes you feel really good about your body and about your partnership. Like, that's great. And then we're like, but the reality is it's so true. Actually, the science behind cortisol levels and weight gain for women and on migraines. And sleep and weight like, I mean, like, like so many things. It's, it's incredible. It's mind blowing. And so 
again, to me, I think if I was to postulate, I think one of the reasons that people can't take that in is that they're already so stressed and overwhelmed that they're like, well, that's nice for other people, but my life is so stressed and overwhelmed. And so there's a bit of a chicken and the egg situation I think that happens for people, which is why books like yours are so important and actually why I'm glad you put those basics at the end, because I think for some people, maybe the starting point for them is those like deep emotional pieces. Yes. Then that's their chicken and then they can get to the egg over here and then it comes back to the chicken. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course, there's some people like on their fitness journeys and financial wellness journeys. And that's the thing that sparks this whole revolution for them in their life. But my experience with moms in the clinic and with their kids is that sometimes it's those deeper psychological aha moments Mm -hmm. that make it like, oh, I could change my whole life. I agree. I I totally, I think that there's a lot of times these hangups that we struggle with that we have to break through in order to even get to the physical stuff. Yeah. I think, I mean, to add to what you're saying, I think another piece is, is that sometimes I don't think we believe it will move the needle. So yeah. we're like, okay, I'll go to bed an hour earlier and miss out on my TV time. But what difference right. is that going to make? And it's like, well, kind of a lot. It's actually yeah. probably a big difference. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, what I hope that my book provides is, I mean, there's a lot of things I hope it provides, but I hope it provides at least like options for entry points to start making change. And so it's like, if you don't want to start there, maybe start with the emotional stuff. But as you have some of these aha moments, these little wins that are manageable wins, you'll start to build some momentum to bring in some of the other practical tips that I share in the book too, or that are just available to us on, you know, both all of the content creators that put out such amazing information. But we do need, I think, those, those immediate little wins to start to feel like, okay, this is worth, this is worth actually doing. Yeah. Okay. I have loved, loved, loved talking with you. You guys, also, we didn't get to this, but check her out, Dr. Morgan Cutlip's Instagram as well, because I was telling her before we started recording, there's some people that I kind of follow passively, and she is a person that I'm like, yes, oh my gosh, oh, moment, so amazing. So she's so great. Why don't you tell people where to find you, where to find the book, say the name of the book again so people could find it readily. So the book is Love Your Kids Without Losing Yourself, Five Steps to Banish Guilt and Beat Burnout When You Already Have Too Much to Do. And you can find it anywhere you buy books online. It comes out September 19th. If you go to my website, which is drmorgancutlip.com, you can learn everything you need to know about me, any other courses or information. And then my Instagram, which is drmorgancutlip too. So yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hey mama, if you want more of the Modern Mommy Dog podcast, make sure that you click subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd also be so honored if you shared with your friends and on social media with the hashtag Modern Mommy Dog. If you share about something that inspired you or that you learned from the podcast, we'll be sure to share it on our social media as well. Thanks for listening.